Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. Terry Bradshaw is one of my favorite all-time athletes. You know, he was the Hall of Famer quarterback for the Steelers. And in his autobiography, he said that uh, the worst moment for a quarterback in football is after he's thrown an interception. He said, when you go to the sidelines, it's lonely. And then he has this great line, because no one wants to stand next to a failure. Everybody stays away from failures. I think the biggest secret that most of us have this morning is our fear of failure. Some failure we fear in our life. And I think that's especially true of men who won't even admit to their wife how much they fear, fear failure. You know, there are failures that are small, and then there are failures that are big. And when they're big, failure can be embarrassing if we let it. If we let it, failure can break us. It can embarrass us. It can make us feel like a loser if we let it. A lot of parents have done their best. But one of their children, grown now, is making one bad choice after another. And they make the mistake of comparing their children to others, their family to others. It's bad enough to feel like a failure, but it's breaking to make the mistake of comparing ourselves to someone whose failure is not our failure, whose failure is not failing like we're failing in some area. A person loses their marriage and now is beating themselves up continually for that failure in love. They compare themselves to other people who have the happy marriage they don't. And they ask themselves, why can't I be like them? And they feel like a loser. Did you know that Jesus had failures? I mean, lots of failures. Our scripture reading in John chapter 6 is detailing just one of those failures. In the scripture reading, he had made people angry at him. Because of the sermon he had preached to them. And in verse 66 it says, The people said, These are hard sayings, and many turned away and no longer followed him. You talk about a discouraging thing to happen to you. You preach your heart out, and people say, I didn't like that sermon. It offended me. I'm leaving you and never coming back. No more Sundays here. That's discouraging. And it happened to Jesus. It might surprise you that Jesus had a lot of critics. A lot of people did not like Jesus. In fact, the Bible says people called Jesus the devil. Imagine that. Calling Jesus the devil. You see, Jesus is the friend of anyone who has failed. He knows what it's like to fail. 
But Jesus never let his failures break him. He kept on going. And I'd like to show you this morning what got Jesus back up. How he did not let his failures break him. His failures in relationships with people who rejected him. And his failures in his work, his purpose in life. Preaching and saving people. We have to know Jesus failed at saving a lot of people. He wanted to save everyone, but not everyone would be saved. How did he keep that from breaking him? Well, the first thing to see is that Jesus shows us that not everything that goes wrong is our fault. It's one of the things you learn from Jesus. Not everything that goes wrong is your fault. Mark, who is one of Jesus' biographers in the New Testament, says that when Jesus preached for the first time in his hometown of Nazareth, the people ran Jesus out of town. You talk about a failure. He couldn't even convince his own hometown to believe in him. They ran him out of town. But Jesus did not blame himself for that. Sure, they were offended by his teaching. But his teaching wasn't wrong. It was the reaction to his teaching that was wrong. Not everything that goes wrong is your fault. That reminds me of the famous playwright Oscar Wilde. Wrote some terrific plays. And after the opening night, the premiere of one of his plays, he went to a a pub to socialize, being British, And uh, in the pub, people ask him, well, Mr. Wilde, how did your play go tonight? Was it successful? And Wilde's response was, the play was terrific, but the audience was a failure. (laughs) That's Jesus. Not everything that goes wrong is your fault. Jesus had lots of critics. The religious leaders of his day opposed him and accused him of blaspheming, denigrating, degrading, cursing the very name of God. They accused him of unbiblical teaching. They said he wasn't faithful to the Old Testament. It might surprise you to know that Jesus was the most criticized person of his day in Israel. Did you realize that? The most criticized person of his day in Israel. Remember that the next time you're criticized. Of course, I need to be quick to say that sometimes your critics could be right. And there's something to learn from the criticism. The fact of the matter is successful people do learn from their critics. They get better. But Jesus was sinless. He was faultless. He was God in the flesh. Which just goes to show you that failure doesn't mean you are a failure. He was sinless. Maybe you have a prodigal child who's doing bad things and making bad choices. Do you know what Freud said about children? He said that children are blank slates upon which parents imprint everything that gets imprinted 
so that whatever that child turns out to be and do is the parent's responsibility. That's ridiculous. Anyone who's had two or more children knows that children are born with a distinct personality. And you can look at families, and you can see a family with two or three children, say two children, one of them turns out to be virtuous and wise and an upstanding person of integrity. The other child that comes from the very same family turns out to be a mess, unethical, lacking integrity, all kinds of issues in that child. How do you explain that? They both come from the same parents in the same environment. The answer is children grow up to make their own choices. The same thing can happen. A, a child can have messed up parents, really messed up parents, and turn out to be a fantastic person. That's not because of the parents, but because the child made other choices. Children can come out of messed up families and turn out to be terrific because they say, I'm not going to make the kind of choices my parents did. Or take Cain's temper problem. He murders his brother Abel because he's jealous. He gets angry at God's reward of Abel. God does not blame Cain's parents for his anger issues or his murder of his brother. He holds Cain responsible, not his parents. Not every failure is because you failed especially for parents. I read something that um, is one of my favorite pieces of poetry that I've ever come across. And I hope it encourages you as parents. It goes, I gave you life, but I cannot live for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can allow you freedom, but I cannot be responsible for your choices. I can teach you right from wrong, but I cannot decide right and wrong for you. I can offer you advice, but I cannot make you wise. I can teach you about marriage, but I cannot make your marriage good. I can pray for you, but I cannot make you pray. I can teach you about life, but I cannot live life for you. What I'm doing my best to convince you of this morning is that you must take the words you say to yourself more seriously than most of you do. The most important conversation you have every day is with yourself. The silent conversation of you talking to yourself absolutely is decisive with whether or not failure will break you. Many people are broken by their words to themselves. It's just amazing to me in counseling as I listen to the things people say to themselves that they would never say to someone else who has failed. They would never say that. People call themselves loser. 
They call themselves fool, idiot, failure, stupid, and the list goes on. Those are things they would never say to someone else who has failed, but they say it to themselves. Words are like seeds. They get planted in our heart and mind and they grow and they become self-fulfilling predictions. We become our self-talk. You can never live higher than what you're saying to yourself. We become what we say to ourselves. It breaks confidence. It breaks optimism. It breaks our hopes. It breaks our strength. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of our words, and we will eat the fruit of them. What's that mean? What you say to yourself has enormous consequences in your life. You will eat the fruit of the seeds words, words you've planted in your heart and mind. And one of the things that is so important for us is to start to clean up what we're saying to ourselves. Take control of our self-talk. I can say this another way. You've got to tell yourself no one is a failure because they failed. And you've got to tell yourself no one is a failure who has done their best. Secondly, Jesus did not let discouraging things discourage him, did he? He did not let discouraging things discourage him. Jesus had lots of invitations to get discouraged, give up, and quit. In our passage today, in John 6, just before this, he had fed 5,000 people out of nothing. If you have eyes to see this and read Jesus' life, what you find is he had spectacular success after success with nature. But disappointing experience after disappointing experience with human nature. Nature was no problem. It was human nature that he had a lot of failures with. So Jesus does his best with Judas. Reaches out to Judas, but Judas still betrays him. And he does his best warning the disciples, preparing them for his crucifixion. But they still run away and leave him alone at his crucifixion. But Jesus never let discouraging things discourage him. That is crucial in not letting failures break you. It's called persistence or resilience, snapping back. It's getting back up again and going out and doing it again tomorrow. You know, I read a lot of biographies. You learn so much from the lives of others. And I can tell you this for sure. Every successful person I have ever read about had lots and lots of failures. But they got back up. They didn't let discouraging things discourage them. And they kept on. That's the difference. J.R. Rawlings was a single parent who couldn't get her book published about Harry Potter. Heard of her? She was turned down by publisher after publisher. 
But now she's richer than the Queen of England herself. Because she would not let discouraging things discourage her, she kept on. There's a student at Yale University by the name of Fred Smith, who while he was a student wrote a paper that was a blueprint for an overnight delivery system worldwide. Professor didn't like it, gave him a C and wrote critical remarks on it. But Fred Smith didn't let discouraging things discourage him. And today we have FedEx. Henry Ford went bankrupt twice trying to produce cars. But a lot of you drive Fords today because he would not let discouraging things discourage him. All successful people do that. There is a huge difference between saying, I have failed and I am a failure. Never say, I am a failure. Because failure doesn't mean you're a failure. Get up and try again. Everyone fails. But successful people go to school on their failures. I'd say it this way. They use failure as feedback, as a learning opportunity to get better, and then they go out and try again. They take it as feedback to get better. Did you know that Tom Landry, Chuck Knoll, and Bill Walsh won 9 of 15 Super Bowls in a stretch of time in the 70s and early 80s? 9 of 15 they won. But they also had something else in common. All three of them, their first season, had the worst record in history in the NFL. The worst record. But they did not let disappointment and failure stop them from learning from the feedback and tomorrow getting better. One of the great quarterbacks in NFL history, NFL history, many of you 49er fans have never heard about because you're so narrow. <laughs> but his name, if you know football, is Kenny Stabler, the great Oakland Raider. He, he's in the Hall of Fame. He not only was a fantastic quarterback, he was just fun and he was colorful. Colorful, to say the least. and He was one of the most successful of all time. But one of my favorite stories about him is the time there was a season in which the Raiders had lost by 41 points the Sunday previously, previous Sunday. Largely because he had thrown three interceptions which the other team had turned into points. So this reporter the next week before the next game, was banging on him for all those interceptions and, and really trying to insinuate, boy, should you really go out this next week after such a bad game? And so he pressed Stabler. He says, what's your plan for this next week after so many interceptions last week? And Stabler gave this classic response. My plan? Throw deep. A quarterback, because he has interceptions, can't stop throwing the ball. He's got to get better and go out and throw deep. Same as a, a, a batter in baseball. He's in a slump. What's he do? He keeps swinging. Never let 
disappointing circumstances disappoint, uh, make you discouraged. Winston Churchill is one of my favorite characters in history. There was a new biography that came out just over a year ago by who, by who is probably uh, Great Britain's greatest living historian. His name is Roy Jenkins. And in this biography, Jenkins names Churchill, quote, as the greatest Englishman in English history. The greatest. Many great leaders in English history, but Churchill, he was the greatest. Now, if you know anything about Churchill's life, he was the one who single-handedly, through his speeches, galvanized the British people, put steel in their spine, so they stood up against overwhelming odds of the Nazi Luftwaffe and held them off by the brave fly- flyers of the Spitfires. But it was Churchill who was the man of the hour during World War II against Nazi Germany. But until then, if he had died before World War II, he would have gone down as one of England's greatest failures. He had one huge failure after another. But Churchill famously said, and I quote, I go from one failure to the next failure with enthusiasm. Do you get that? I've had lots of failures. But I go from one failure to the next with enthusiasm. He does not let discouraging things discourage him. And that's what Jesus did. After this crowd walked out on this hard sermon, he preached the next day. A person came to me before Christmas very discouraged. And she said, Pastor Mike, I feel very hopeless and helpless in my marriage. You know what I said? Good. Because now there's room for faith to grow. It's not until you're hopeless and helpless that there's room for faith. And now you have a chance for faith. Because faith is the confidence in things yet unseen. You don't see it yet, but have faith. And then I said to her, Times will not always be as hard as they are right now for you. Good times are going to come. She couldn't see that then. Do you know how I know that's going to happen? Because of what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, and He is, He died for you, who can be against us? Who is on your side? It's God who is for you. He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. But how will he not also, along with him, that is his son, graciously give us all things? Times may be hard right now and dark, but they'll, they'll pass. And good times are going to come because God is God. And he is for you. Third, failures won't break you. Unless you are too stubborn to see your failures as feedback. 
plenty of people are. They're just too proud and too stubborn to do any admitting and any self-examination. And they'll fail again in the same way. Let me give you some facts about failure. These are very important. The first fact is failures are learning opportunities. The second fact is life will make us repeat a lesson until we learn it. You'll just keep repeating it until you learn it. Third, a lesson gets more painful the more times we have to learn it. Fourth, you've learned a lesson when your behavior changes. If not, you go back to step two. (laughs) And that's exactly what many of us experience. We have not learned our lesson, and so we have to go back to the lesson and go through it again. And that's why there's painful things in some of our lives. We've been through this before, but we didn't learn our lesson. We didn't change our behavior. Now we got to go back to step two. Ellen Sachs is a brilliant professor of law at USC, and she's widely published in law journals. And she also, in spite of all of her brilliance, suffers from schizophrenia. Now, I read a lot of books about people who have mental illness or have been through it because I want to understand more what it was like for my son, John, to be mentally ill. What was it like to live in his shoes? And so I read this book. The title of it is The Center Cannot Hold. She's a fascinating person, so accomplished, but has had so many downdrafts through this illness. It's a terrific book about schizophrenia, but it did more than that for me. There's some great lines in this book about things she had to change about herself in order to become successful and to set herself free. Some great lines that apply to all of life. And I think the best line of all is this one. I used to be God, but I got demoted. Do you think you are God? I love that. I used to be God, but I got demoted. Surely some of you have been demoted from being God. And surely some of us this morning still think we are God. We think we're so very, very smart that we can figure out any situation. Only God is that smart. And there's going to come a situation when you get demoted. Some of us here this morning um, think that, well, that... We have very little to confess at the Lord's Supper this morning because we're such good people. Only God is perfect. Some of you think that you can handle anything that happens in your life. You're not God. Only God can handle anything. There's going to come a time when you get demoted. I can only say... That God will allow painful failures to come to you, to wake you up, that you're just human, and you are not God. That's the reason for the Lord's Supper this morning. It's your opportunity to stop being God. It's your opportunity to confess 
the mistakes you've made and the sins, disobedience in your life, and to repent, turn away from it. That's an opportunity. Because if you don't turn away from it, you're going to have to go back to step two. This is an opportunity for self-examination in our life and get the feedback from our failures relationally and in life. What's the feedback here? And do some admitting and get better instead of going back to step two. I just wonder if something's happened that's demoted you from thinking you're God. And this morning, maybe you're finally ready to come to Jesus and to ask Him for help. Ask Him into your life. Is it time to do some confessing and to look at the feedback pain has given to you and to cry out to God that you are not God? It's your opportunity. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, I so much hope that a lot of uh, self-examination goes on this morning and feedback of what uh, our failures are giving to us. We all have failures. What's the feedback? And to do some confessing and admitting. To be cleansed, but also to not go back to step two. To learn our lesson through repentance and move on to success. Holy Spirit, I ask you to fall upon us right now and speak to us. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Dr. Mike from Compass Church in Salinas. We hope you're encouraged by his practical, Bible-based teaching 